Welcome to Your Torah, a 36-week journey into the world of the 63 books of the Mishnah, 18 minutes at a time. A project of Jofa UK, designed as a special invitation to engage in Torah and make it yours. This Your Torah episode is dedicated in memory of Helen Cohen, Chava Batichezke. Hello, my name is Leah Rosenthal, and I have been studying and teaching Talmud in Jerusalem for over 30 years. I primarily teach at the Pelech High School for Girls and at the Pardes Institute for Jewish Studies. Exploring and discovering the world of Torah Shabal Peh, the oral tradition, is the focus of my intellectual, spiritual, and religious life, and it is with much pleasure that I take part in this exciting project to encourage others to engage with this ever-fascinating world. It is both a great privilege and a great responsibility to present to you Masechet Kilim, the tractate of vessels or utensils, the opening tractate of the final section of the Mishnah, Seder Taharot, the Order of Purities. There are several factors that make this task particularly demanding and challenging. First and foremost, Masechet Kilim has the distinction of being the longest tractate of the Mishnah. It is 30 chapters long, making it 10 times longer than the shortest of the tractates. True, there is one other tractate that is also 30 chapters long, Masechet Nezikin, the tractate of damages, the opening tractate of the order of Nezikin. However, that tractate has for centuries now been divided into three sections, known as the three Bavot, Bavakama, Bava and Bavabatra. Each section is considered its own tractate, made up of ten chapters from the original tractate, and subsequently, Masechet Nezikin is no longer found in its original lengthy form. Tractate Kelim, however, in spite of the fact that some manuscripts of the Mishnah do divide this tractate into three sections, also labeled Bavakama, Bava Bavabatra, is most prevalently found in publications of the Mishnah in its original full-length form, awarding it the distinction of being the longest Masechet of the Mishnah. In addition to its daunting size, this tractate begins an order of the Mishnah, which is associated in the Talmudic world with the concept of da'at, knowledge. In a well-known midrash attributed to Reish Lakish in Bavli Shabbat 31a, each order of the six orders of the Mishnah is associated with a word from a verse from the prophet Isaiah. Vehaya emunat itecha, chosen yeshuot, chokmat vedaat, yirat Hashem hi otsaro. And the faith of your times, strength, salvation, wisdom, and knowledge, the fear of the Lord is his treasure. The last order of the Mishnah, Taharot, is assigned in this Midrash to the word knowledge. This order of Mishnah, beginning with the tractate of Kalim, which we are discussing now, is indeed a vast area of knowledge, comprised of many details and minutia, often overwhelming and challenging to our sense of comprehensibility. The world of Tuma and Tara, purity and impurity, presents a demanding combination of practical and physical details alongside abstract and transcendent concepts, creating an intellectual challenge for any student and scholar. Finally, in outlining the challenges involved in studying and discussing Masechet Kelim, 
I would like to point out a new reality confronting us while engaging with the study of this section of Mishnah. For the first time in the experience of studying the Mishnah from its beginnings in Tractate Brachot, we find ourselves without a structured, organized tradition of commentary to the Mishnah. The order of Taharot has no Talmud, neither Bavli nor Yerushalmi, with the one exception of Tractate Nida, which has both. In this order of Mishnah, we are on our own. We have to navigate our own way through the Mishnaic traditions, unassisted and without the guidance of the Amoraim, the rabbis of the Talmudic period, to lead us. However, lest we despair and lose heart, let us note that, despite the absence of a structured, redacted Talmudic commentary for these tractates, there is quite a bit of material representing the discussions of later rabbinic authorities of these tractates, inserted and included in discussions brought by the Talmud in the context of other tractates. The dialectic of the Talmudic text often cites additional material while discussing various texts and topics, and on several occasions cites and comments on sections from the order of Taharot while discussing other issues. We will be able to access, therefore, on several occasions, some assistance and guidance in our study of these Mishnayot by drawing on material preserved in other sections of the Talmud. Having mentioned some of the challenges of this tractate, let me also note some of the rewards potentially in store for one who takes on this challenge and delves into the world of the laws of purity and impurity, primarily those found in Masechet Kelim. This tractate deals with laws of purity and impurity as pertain to Kelim, vessels. The broad range of man-made objects crafted for the convenience and service of human beings are exposed to the qualities of purity and impurity. This tractate will describe in detail many such objects, creating for the reader a vivid image of daily life in Mishnaic times. The archaeological, historical, and anthropological interest of such an image is notable. I am reminded of the brilliant series sponsored by the BBC and the British Museum in 2010 titled A History of the World in a Hundred Objects subsequently published in book form by Neil McGregor. The central thesis of this series was the recognition that physical objects tell a story. Artifacts from other times and cultures, daily as well as ceremonial and unique, convey much about the culture and society that created them and used them. To know a culture's objects is to gain insight into the world that produced and enjoyed them. To observe a culture's physical objects is an opportunity to engage with what McGregor calls the poetry and the biography of things. Tractate Kalim, in a sense, is an exhibit curated by the Mishnah of material culture, offering us a sense of familiarity with the daily lives of the world that produced the canonical texts of Jewish tradition, impacting our own practice and lives deeply to this day. What a precious and valuable opportunity. Let us now take a closer look at the structure of this lengthy and detailed Masechet. The first chapter of Masechet Kelim serves as an introductory chapter, not only to this tractate, but to the order of Taharot in general. The Mishnah lists in ascending order of severity different sources of impurity found in the world. 
beginning with the sherets, the eight reptiles listed in the Torah as sources of impurity, and culminating with the most potent source of tuma, impurity, avi avot tumah, the mit, a dead body. The Mishnah then notes a corresponding list of ten levels of sanctity, of kedusha, existing in the geography of the world. Eser kedushotin, Eretz Yisrael mekudeshet mikol ha'aratzot, Holiest among the lands is the land of Israel. Holier still is the city of Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, the Holy of Holies, and so on. This introduction creates a mental image of the world, a map of the physical world, outlining and delineating its abstract spiritual and metaphysical qualities, Tuma and Kedusha, impurity and sanctity, creating the matrix of Seder Taharot, the metaphysical qualities of the very physical world. As noted previously, the central subject of this tractate are the laws of purity and impurity as pertain to utensils of all kinds. Based on scriptural sources, primarily in Vaikra chapters 11 and 15, the Mishnah defines the factors that determine matters of purity and impurity in utensils. These include the material from which the utensil is constructed, those made of clay, metal, wood, leather, bone, and glass, for instance, might become impure, but not ones made of stone, earth, or dung. Other factors include the shape of the utensil, its function, its size, and the manner and type of impurity to which it was exposed. Broadly, the structure of the Mishnah follows the types of materials used for the different utensils, beginning with clay utensils, and presents various halachic details for each type. While discussing the many details of these laws, the Mishnah also includes a halachic discussion, which has bearing on additional halachic areas, including some applicable and relevant to halachic practice today. In chapter 17 of this tractate, the Mishnah lists and clarifies the different shiurim, measurements, used by the rabbis for defining quantities of various kinds. The classic definitions of kazait, the size of an olive, Kebeza, the size of an egg, Kakotevet, the size of a date, an ama, a cubit, as well as some less familiar measurements are all addressed and defined in the context of Masechet Kelim, providing in the midst of a halachic treatise which appears to have limited practical applications in our actual halachic practice today, a useful and practical guide to shiurim, measurements in halacha. I would like to turn now to discuss just one Mishnah from this Masechet. I have selected one of the Mishnayot of Kelim that appear in the discussions of the Talmud Bavli, cited in a context of a different Masechet, in this case, Bava Metzia 59b. This Mishnah, found in the fifth chapter of Kelim, plays a central role in one of the most dramatic and powerful narratives of the Talmud, a narrative often referred to as Tanuro Shel Achnai, the oven of Achnai. The Mishnah itself is found in Kelim chapter 5, Mishnah 10. Chatacho chuliot v'natan chol ben chulia lechulia, Rabbi Eliezer metaher v'chachamim metamim. Zehu tanuro shel achnai. If one cut it up into rings and put sand between the rings, Rabbi Eliezer declares it pure, but the sages declare it impure. Such was the oven of Achnai. As noted previously, the first chapters of this tractate discuss utensils made from clay. 
In this particular chapter, the Mishnah discusses the halachot of purity and impurity with regard to ovens, a utensil often constructed from clay in Mishnaic times. The case discussed in this Mishnah is a particular type of oven made from separate segments, chuliot, stacked together and held together by sand, chol, inserted between the pieces. This oven is identified by the Mishnah as the oven of Achnai. This most likely refers to the name of an individual known to produce such ovens or perhaps known to have owned a similar oven. This is substantiated by the continuation of the Mishnah, which discusses a different type of oven and refers to that as Tanuroshel Ben Dinai, the oven of Ben Dinai. The Mishnah presents a dispute, a machloket regarding this oven. The rabbis declared this oven unclean, tameh. In the terminology of Masechet Kelim, this means it is liable to become impure if it is exposed to a source of impurity. Whereas Rabbi Eliezer declares this type of oven to be pure, namely to be incapable of receiving impurity and remaining pure even upon exposure to a source of impurity. What is the essence of this machloket? What lies at the heart of this disagreement? Studying this Mishnah in the context of Masechet Kelim reveals the source of this debate. One of the undisputed principles of the laws of purity and impurity in utensils is the fundamental idea that only a functional and complete utensil becomes impure. The dispute between the rabbis and Rabbi Eliezer is a dispute about the nature of this particular structure of oven. The fact that it is made of separate segments held together by layers of sand Does this constitute a complete and integral utensil, as the rabbis appear to hold, thereby making it impure? Or is it to be considered broken, incomplete, a dysfunctional stack of raw material in disjoined pieces incapable of being considered a kli, a functional utensil, as Rabbi Eliezer appears to hold? As noted, this Mishnah is cited in Masechet Bava Metziah, and is presented there as triggering an epic struggle over the nature of Torah, the Bet Midrash, and the role of the rabbis in the halachic process. The dispute between the rabbis and Rabbi Eliezer escalates into an all-out battle, in the course of which Rabbi Yoshua stands on his feet and declares the immortal and unforgettable words, Lo b'shamayim hi, the Torah is no longer in heaven, declaring the Torah to now be in the domain of the Bet Midrash, It is the responsibility of human beings to debate and determine halacha, no longer to be revealed prophetically to human ears. This story is rightly understood to be a fundamental narrative of the Talmud, outlining the philosophical and theological underpinnings of the rabbinic worldview. The choice of the Talmud to narrate this conflict is an extension of the debate about the purity and impurity of a specific type of oven is worth a moment of our time. Out of dozens of disputations between Rabbi Eliezer and the rabbis recorded in Tanaitic literature, why does the narrator of this Talmudic story describe the ultimate conflict over the nature of Torah study in the context of this particular debate? I would like to suggest that the narrator is using the vocabulary of Masechet Kelim to describe the essential dispute between Rabbi Eliezer and the rabbis. Rabbi Eliezer believes deeply in Torah as the directly revealed divine word of God. Any active and creative human involvement in this process diminishes the presence of the divine in Torah. This is Rabbi Eliezer's view as recorded in several locations and formulations throughout rabbinic literature. 
Perhaps the narrator of the story sees in the debate regarding the oven of Achnai a metaphor for the disagreement between Rabbi Eliezer and the rabbis about the nature of Torah. Just as the rabbis view a stack of segments, chuliot, linked together through chol, sand, a complete and fully functional kli, so they view tradition as links in a chain held together by chol, human, non-divine substances inserted holding the full construct together. They see this as a vital and viable functional and divine entity. Rabbi Eliezer, however, sees the brokenness of pieces separated by chol, mundane, non-divine, non-sacred assertions interrupting and disturbing the wholeness and completeness of the vessel. He calls for a tradition untampered with in its pristine and divine wholeness. Only that is a full and sacred image of divine tradition. The language of Kalim, therefore, in the hands of the narrator of the Talmud, becomes a poetic vocabulary to convey ideas and concepts of deep and important significance to the world of Torah and the Bit Midrash. The imagery of the Kli, the wholeness and completeness of which is precisely what facilitates the possibility of it becoming impure, is a rich image through which to convey the complexity of the world which the rabbis of the Mishnah and Talmud created. I would like to conclude this presentation with the very beautiful remarks with which the Mishnah itself completes this tractate. After teaching the final halacha of the tractate, the status of purity ascribed to a particular type of glass utensil, the Mishnah cites the words of Rabbi Yossi. Amar Rabbi Yossi, Ashraich kelim shenichnast betum'ah v'yatsat betahara. Blessed are you, kelim, that began with impurity and ended with purity. Once again, we see the vocabulary of kelim being used poetically. The tractate begins with determining the potential for impurity in the objects of the world and concludes with the pronunciation of the existence of purity in the world. As Rabbi Yossi contemplates the text of Masechet Kelim, he finds inspiring and meaningful spiritual truths beyond and within the details of the halachic principles. He perceives an almost redemptive process leading from impurity to purity, from Tuma to Tahara, reflected in the text of the Mishnah. May we indeed all merit to continue studying the Mishnah, and as we pore over the details of various halachic topics, continue to find meaning and inspiration for enriching our lives and our understanding. This episode of Your Torah is brought to you by Jofa UK, in collaboration with women from around the world who all share a passion for Torah study. If you are enjoying your Torah, consider sponsoring an episode. Find out more by visiting ukjova.org. Join the conversation on social media using the hashtag YourTorah.